You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast, and I'm happy to finally do this because the Bulls have been uh, making a lot of news, and I know there's a lot of Bulls fans in the Illini fan base, and of course, Illini fans want to know about their favorite new NBA player, Io DeSumo, who is now a member of his hometown, Chicago Bulls, and, and talking with us now is my guy, Cody Westerland, the only other guy in the Daily Illini to Illini HQ recruiting blog to Paxton Record pipeline cody welcome in man uh you've been busy with bulls news and mostly positive bulls news for once it, it's good to be on jeremy and uh yeah the bulls never boring last year uh i think it was for different reasons they weren't uh boring and a lot of it had to do past few years obviously with the jim boylan era but uh after sitting on his hands for for a better part of a year or at least leading up to the march trade deadline arturis karnashovas Made those moves and the big ones now you just mentioned Io. That was the only draft pick the Bulls had um, here at the end of July because they had shipped out the first round pick for Vucevic. Um, and then DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, more big moves um, for the Bulls. Lonzo Ball, we didn't uh, see all of them coming. Some of them we saw coming, others we did not. So it's going to be a really entertaining mixture of people uh, on this Bulls team. I want to break down all of that because I, I want to get nitty gritty, get your thoughts. Cause I feel like as a Bulls fan, I've kind of had to like recalibrate what I think is possible uh, with roster building, but let's start with Io DeSumo because a lot of fans are most concerned about him. Can I assume Cody is an Illinois graduate Io DeSumo you scouted far more uh, than any other second round possibilities. When, when the Bulls picked Iowa, I was like excited just for the sense that, Wow, it's like the first guy drafted in the second round of my seven, eight years covering the Bulls that I've actually seen play basketball more than like once in the NCAA tournament. Um, because, yes, I mean, it was a joy to watch him these last few years um, at Illinois as he blossomed. And the same things that obviously everyone um, saw in Champaign is largely what the Bulls front office uh, saw as well. They see a guy that can make some plays, get to the hoop. We know Io is so good in transition, just devastating. We saw that uh, a lot actually in their second summer league game on Tuesday evening. He helped spark the Bulls to a big rally against the Spurs, um, had a few steals, got out in the open court. Like I think that's, that's kind of his path to success for them as well. Like when you're a second round draft pick, obviously that means you have some holes in your game, right? but there's obviously things you do really well. So what he needs to do um, if he wants to earn any playing time with the Bulls as he develops here as a rookie, and it's going to be really, really, really hard to get any playing time for him given the moves they made uh, in free agency, focusing so much on the backcourt. Um, but there's certainly a window uh, of opportunity for him down the road um, with the Bulls. And I, I think he's got he's going to be in a good system. I will say that too for them um, because they want to run a little bit more. Uh, Billy Donovan is a guy that players absolutely love. They've invested a lot in their player development system. The Bulls have, I mean, they literally used to have like one player development coordinator and he wasn't just focused on player development, right? Like now they have a lead executive in that department and four or five on court um, player development guys to help these guys. So he'll have every opportunity to succeed. I know people in Chicago Bulls fans are so excited. It's an easy story, obviously a little bit of right. the cliche because 
um, the Chicago kid, but I think they were excited too, because like I said, like we've seen this guy um, succeed at a high level. We know he has the mentality um, to succeed. We know he's come up big in big moments. So it's about rounding out all his skills um, on the NBA level, obviously. And it's going to be really fun to watch IO here. And we've seen that a little bit already in summer league. Yeah, when I ask you about that second summer league game, which we watched uh, just last night, we're recording this uh, Wednesday, August 11th. Um, but that that short-term path to playing time is very difficult. When you add Alonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, to a group that already includes Zach Levine, no matter what you think of Kobe White, he's proven himself as a scorer at the NBA level. Uh, and now you add DeMar DeRozan, probably more of a three with this team, but obviously uh, a guy who's going to have a lot of usage as a guard. Um, so what is the short-term for Iowa? What do you think that looks like? Because my hope, Cody, is a guy who covered Iowa and knows how good he can be uh, and how good of a teammate he is, all those things. My hope is just sign that guaranteed deal for a couple years and then if it's G League or if it's you know the 11th or 10th guy in a team whatever he'll find a way to develop but what do you think his short term looks like I think it's going to be a lot of shuttling back and forth between Hoffman Estates where the G League Bulls play the Windy City Bulls um, and obviously Chicago at the United Center um, because they they're going to want him to get playing time this season and there's just not – I thought it was the Alex Caruso signing that really went – like the night the Bulls drafted Io, like, you know, AK is kind of there talking. He's like, yeah, he'll have an opportunity to prove himself. We'll see how it plays out. And you're looking at – you're like, yep, Sadoransky's landing in trade rumors. He could be gone. This is a team that has absolutely no backcourt depth whatsoever at all. Kobe White, I don't expect to be back to full health and, like, in a rhythm even till December probably – um, with that shoulder injury, like that's a really big deal when you have surgery on that and you're basically a spot up shooter is the best thing you do. So there was a path for a quick second, even knowing that Lonzo Ball was probably going to be a bull early on in free agency. But the Caruso signing kind of came off the the off the radar out of nowhere. Um, a lot of people thought he would go back to the Lakers because he's meant so much to them, but they kind of had other plans and some luxury tax issues or, or considerations to keep in mind. So the Bulls got him. He's just going to play a ton for the Bulls this year. Um, because Caruso is so good at on-ball defense. That's what the Bulls will need. He'll be the first guard off the bench. They're paying him a contract where, hey, you know, they're not going to be scared to play him 34, 36 minutes a night when they need to, uh, if there's injuries, foul trouble, attrition, whatever. So uh, I think first year, Io, um, a lot of G League action. They'll probably try to get him to play as many games as they can there. Obviously, in the NBA, you can have a 15-man roster. You have two two-way guys. You got 17 guys kind of in your, in your pipeline on your team. Uh, but only 13 of those guys dress on um, uh, for games and stuff. So I, I don't know how often Iowa even will dress at the start. The Bulls are going really slowly in free agency here in large part because the Larry marketing thing hasn't um, shaken out yet. So how that shakes out, if they get another guard or wing, that could complicate it. Who they kind of fill out with these last couple roster spots um, will also determine how much of an opportunity Iowa has. So I think – he needs to go out there in training camp, try to prove himself as much as he can, expect a lot of G League playing time, um, and develop from there. And like I said, like he has some tools that the Bulls need. Like This is a team that has not been able to get to the hoop very well uh, in recent years outside of Zach Levine. It's a team that lacks some basketball instincts. I shouldn't say lacks some basketball instincts. This team's been absolutely <laughs> terrible from a basketball IQ perspective for the last three or four years. And some of that's expected during a rebuild, like – but Io's a guy where you watch him play, he feels the game well, obviously. Like, 
He has an understanding out there. So once he catches that up and uses those instincts at an NBA level, like I think that's when you can start seeing um, a path to, to kind of fighting for playing time at the fringe of a rotation here. Uh, I, again, I don't expect that to happen this year much, um, but you never know. Like COVID just wrecked everything in the NBA last year. Like you could have guys out for two, three weeks easily. And we know the Bulls have always been bitten by the injury bugs. So getting deeper was a really big deal for this Bulls team. Um, last year, obviously their bench was actually one of the best parts of their team. Like they, they had a good second unit. And they gave up a little bit of that um, depth just when they got rid of Sadoransky and Garrett Temple and the sign and trade and had some other guys leave, had to trade Thad Young to get DeRozan. So from a depth perspective, like there's still a little bit of uncertainty on the second unit maybe. Um, so patience for Io, but the tools he has is, is stuff the Bulls, I think, value down the line if he can keep developing them. Yeah, I feel like some people have like a bad um, feeling about, oh, he's going G League. That's not a great thing. Listen, if he's got his contract and he's going to play more and develop more there, uh, that that's probably a good thing for him. Uh, I did see first summer league game. He looked a little uncomfortable, Cody, and, that, and that's to be expected. Everyone has to go through an adjustment, uh, even an All-American player like like Io DeSumo. Uh, but in the second half of that second summer league game, and again, the qualifier, it's just summer league, but you saw him go into the role that you're talking about defense like he was a disruptor which I always thought he actually left a little bit wanting sometimes on the defensive end in college but he's got the strength the length uh the speed uh to be really good there and then transition uh that that translates it looks like uh based on what we saw in the summer league so what what did you see the first two games of summer league well like you mentioned the second one I mean he had four steals and he was just in passing lanes a lot, especially helping spark the second half rally. And you mentioned, like, when you talk about Io's game, like the first thing that comes to mind at the collegiate level wasn't defense, obviously, because he was such an offensive superstar. And to, to get playing time in the NBA, he's going to have to be at least average or plus on that defensive end um, as he goes along. I, I don't think anyone um, from a Bulls perspective expects second round guys to just come in um, and completely understand that. Uh, end of the floor right away uh, when that hasn't been your specialty before, but that's going to be something that he can do because again, this is a team that just hasn't created any on ball havoc whatsoever. And IO might not be the guy to create on ball havoc, but if he can be in passing lanes with a little bit more pressure or off the ball, that's going to be important. So the first game, it seemed like it was more for the bulls and they didn't play well in that loss to the Pelicans. They played their first half was fine. Then they had a poor second half, but it kind of felt like, just swing the ball, swing the ball, someone go off the balance here and just do something simple kind of on the other end, like a pin down or something like that. And it was a little bit of my turn, your turn. And then that was just IO. Like to me, it felt like going to the hoop and not finishing when he had um, a lot of arms swirling around him. I think he shot two of eight in that game. Like he wasn't in space. That was kind of go one-on-one. You know what I mean? That second game, the Bulls had a little bit more movement, gotten to the open floor a little bit more and that's where he shined. So um, that's hard. I mean, these guys have had like three practices or something, two practices at this point together. Um, and I know they've been uh, other Bulls might have been at the facility a little bit more, but like I was just less than two weeks into his Bulls tenure. So uh, the more he learns to play with these guys and like you said, the qualifier summer league, every team faces that. Uh, but the better he's going to be, because like he's he's not going to be an isolation player at the NBA level. Like that's not who he's going to be. Um, but it's about magnifying and and kind of heightening your talents and how they fit in with teammates. And he's a guy um, that, again, can get to the rim. The Bulls need that. They need a guy that can get in passing lanes. They need a guy um, in the open court as they go along here. So 
Uh, I like his attitude too so far. I mean, we heard everything on draft night. Of course, there's not 36, 37 players better than than me in this NBA draft. And he's going to have to go prove it because, I mean, that's what the market told him at the time, the draft market. Um, and the Bulls were happy that he fell to them. And look, we know, again, the talent's there. And I like the mindset. Like, I think the mindset is perfect. I think we're going to see him work really hard. And I don't think, like, the hometown pressure can be a weight on the shoulders of some players, right? Like, some guys would rather not play in their hometown. Some would. Uh, Derek Rose handled it really, really well in ascending to the MVP level for the Bulls, obviously. But through the years, others obviously can get distracted. But uh, to me, like, he's he's had that pressure before at Illinois. I mean, the ball's always in his hands at the end of the game. He's a cool-headed guy. Like, I, I don't think that's going to be any problem. And he's taking a lot of pride in it. So uh, having pride in your hometown and having to play there doesn't mean you're going to get playing time. But I think from from a perspective of how he approaches the job, I think everything um, we've seen so far uh, has been great. It will be great. It'll be, again, like he's got to get better at being a perimeter shooter, better um, defender, uh, stuff like that. And then he can be a uh, role player, rotation player, maybe down the road for the Bulls. Yeah, I don't see it being a Eddie Curry kind of instance yeah. here, Cody. That's a good example. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, when we, uh, I want to bring up this whole offseason, Cody, as a Bulls fan, is just kind of like messed with my mind because I, I almost had it in my head that the only way you can get better is getting lottery luck, right? And obviously the Bulls did not get lottery luck. And I'm like, oh, this offseason we might sign Lonzo Ball and, and that's about it because we don't have much cap space. And then they find a way to sign DeMar DeRozan to a three-year, $85 million deal. They get Caruso on, on that big mid-level exception. And it's just like, there are things you can do with a cap uh, that I didn't even understand you could do. This was creative um, this offseason. Like, we'll see what it all lands to. But the way they got here was creative. And, and the plan is, is a lot different, obviously, than, than the previous regime. Um, were, are you surprised by, by how they did all of this? Yeah, a little bit. I will say, like, the, the narrative in Chicago is, like, never in a million years could the John Paxton, Gar Foreman front office pulled off an offseason like this. Well, correct, probably, um, because they wouldn't have wanted to. They, it's not as if they weren't aware that you could sign and trade multiple guys. But there has been a groundswell here in the NBA in recent years of more sign and trades and teams being more amicable with each other, more open to pulling these off and getting th a third team in sometimes to kind of grease the skids for the first two teams, if need be. 
um, in some instances. So everyone can kind of get what they want. And the difference with this Bulls front office, and this is the important thing, is the reason they were able to pull off the sign and trade with the Spurs and get DeRozan, which was a surprising one, right? Like we knew Alonzo sign and trade was on the table for a long time. Caruso, uh, we didn't know who it was going to be, but we knew someone of his caliber could fit into the mid-level exception around that nine, 10 million a year. The DeRozan one they pulled off was made possible by giving up a first round pick, right? Like if the Bulls don't give up a first round pick, they're not going to be able to do that because that was kind of the attachment to um, Al Farouk Amino's contract basically in that deal, which uh, most people would still consider a vast overpay. You're already overpaying DeMar DeRozan from what his market was with other teams. There's probably no one else in the NBA going to give him $85 million over three years, obviously, and then you throw in a first-round pick. The Bulls went from having never in NBA history watching have I ever seen someone be called a winner so, so certainly on day one of free agency and then be called a loser less than 24 hours. Like, just with two moves, Alonzo and Caruso, I guess two moves on day one and then the big one with DeRozan. But the Garpacks didn't want to give up first-round picks like that. They were never going to give up first-round picks um, at such an outrageous rate as the Bulls have given up to get two for giving up two to get Nikola Vucevic and then one to help get to Marta Rosen. So the, the creativity, like, I trust me, the Bulls were aware of things they could have done in the past. They didn't have um, the aggressiveness to part with first round picks to make moves like this happen because they worried about the future more, the overall health. This front office wants to win now. I think they're feeling some pressure from the Reinsdorfs. And I don't mean like all of a sudden AK got called in the office after this poor season and was like, you got to win now. The Reinsdorfs didn't do that. But like when they sat down to hire him, he laid out a vision that detailed winning at a faster rate than five or six years into the future. Like this organization has talked a lot in the past about not having a five, six, seven, eight year plan like Philadelphia 76ers process, for example. So this is a continuation of that. And just from a public outside perspective, we weren't privy to it until we saw all these moves in this offseason. And we got the first one with Vooch. So um, just kind of the climate of the NBA with signing trades becoming uh, more of a thing. And people people always, always valued cap space in the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, free agent era. Like everyone's carving out cap space. The Bulls traded Kirk Heinrich one time just to carve out some cap space. Other teams did it too. In past years, the Knicks have tried to do it. And then you see, you know what, if you're going to get tier three players, Carving out cap space isn't always the greatest path if you're willing to give up some draft compensation and some players of value, take on a bad contract here or there, whatever it may be. Um, then you can get who you want and still operate above the cap. And anytime you're operating above the cap, you're probably bringing in a little bit higher paid veterans and stuff. Um, that means you're going to be a little bit more competitive. So the Bulls goal is to be a little bit more competitive. And obviously the, the plan right now is to worry about the health of the organization in 2025 or 2027 in 2025 or 2027 right. right now is more about winning. So the goal is to get better, right? And they have gotten huge upgrades at point guard, at center, at the three spot, no matter what you think of DeMar DeRozan contract, he has a vast improvement over what they've had there uh, the past couple years. So Cody, what do you think if this all goes to plan, what do you think the Bulls next couple years looks like without a lot of draft capital. I mean, they, I know they hope to get Lori Markin in a, a first round pick off him, but like, what do you think the next couple of years, the way the bulls hope it goes, how do you think it goes? I mean, I, I think best case scenario for the bulls this upcoming year. I mean, we were talking like everything goes right. The step I think would be 
um, to make that Knicks-like jump to a four or five slot in the East and then win a first-round series, right? Like, this team is not better than Milwaukee or the Nets. They're not even close to either of those teams. And the reason isn't because they can't score with them. The reason is because they're going to have problems on the defensive end um, competing at a high level. Like, this this is – almost certainly going to be a defense in my opinion in the bottom third of the NBA. This is not one um, that I see at this point barring a lot, a lot of playing time for Alex Caruso and a willingness to slide DeMar DeRozan down to the four a lot more often and some improvements um, from guys like Zach Levine and Vooch, unless, unless all that happens and Caruso and ball are just, dominant on the ball in the perimeter. I, I don't see how this defense comes close to league average. Like it's going to be bottom third. So um, that in mind, you're looking at more of the middle of the East, I think best case scenario and the heat adding Kyle Lowry, I think elevates them if not to the one, two discussion in the East, but um, right behind the, the bucks and the nets, obviously. So um, probably more likely still is, is a back end playoff berth, but like these moves weren't made to like, get the nine seed and be in the playing game, right? Like the bulls need to be in the regular 18 playoff in the East when they tip the ball for a seven game series next year. And I do think um, that will be the case. Like, I think they're going to take that jump, not to the four or five seed level, but the one thing I will note with DeMar DeRozan again, like they, from an outside perspective, especially um, some, some of your listeners and, and followers obviously view stuff from a college level. Like there's just so many games in the NBA. There's 82 of them in these full seasons. Someone always has a sprained ankle. Now someone's always out three weeks with COVID. Like having DeMar DeRozan is protection against Zach Levine going out two weeks. Like Zach Levine missing six games for the Bulls in past years turns into a disaster, right? Like they can't score the ball or do anything, right? Like he's, he's a big floor raiser in the sense that any night you have injuries or Levine's off or – you know, there's just an elite defender that's giving Levine problems. Like DeMar DeRozan can go get you 28 points and get you a win against a middling team. You know what I mean? Like the Bulls need to rack up those types of wins um, and be some of the best um, in the middle ground. And if they do that, they should they should slide in, I think, to that 6-7 seed territory. And, you know, the Reinsdorfs, they want them back in the playoffs. That's more money. That's more attention. Um, this is a city that I, I think – ownership and management feels like needs a better team um, in the moment. If they're going to ascend to the next level, like everyone always says, you know, um, like you mentioned uh, lottery luck, like get Cade Cunningham or if the bulls are going to get lottery luck and get Jalen Suggs. Like you just go and you get a star. That's going to be um, your, your next person in, in rock and cornerstone of your foundation. Well, more often than not, you go incrementally rather than just one big step. A lot of the times and the bulls are trying to take that incremental step but the criticism, devil's advocate, and all of this, and I think a lot of people would agree on this, is when you're giving up all those first-round picks, the long-term health of your organization gets clouded, and it gets really hard to see how the Bulls at any point in the next year or two, three years, somehow go from being a four-seed to a team that can ser- seriously contend for an Eastern Conference crown. And that's a prism I look through stuff all the time. Yep. People are like, oh, can you win the NBA title? You know, can you beat the Lakers? Can you beat the Nets in the finals? Whoever it is, like, can you get to the Eastern Conference finals like the Hawks did and have a legit chance? Right. Like, I felt like the Hawks had a legit chance. Um, it was clear the Bucs were much better than them. That showed, especially when Giannis missed games late in the series and they handled their business. But, like, it's not like they got swept. They weren't overmatched or anything like that. So, um, I think the Bulls need to get to – 
a point where you're building a team like 2011 um, wasn't as good as LeBron's heat, but it was a team that legitimately had championship aspirations. Um, and I don't see the path. They've done something where they can get into the first round. Maybe they win a first round series in these next couple of years, but with some of these defensive limitations and lack of draft capital down the line, um, lack of flexibility when you don't have draft capital, it makes it hard to see that next leap. But you know what? That's a problem for later for the Bulls. I don't think they care that much at this point. And I think they would respond and tell you, well, if we just get better and build a 48-win team um, and have people loving the city, the next superstar will want to come here in a trade or if we have cap space somehow, um, which they probably won't once Zach Levine signs a massive contract extension. We'll figure out later how to get the next star here. Um, at some point, we'll be able to ship off our 2027 and 2029 first-round picks and carve out some space and maybe someone will pop and be good from the rest of the roster. So uh, it's kind of a figure it out later problem. They just want to win right now. So uh, yeah. it's fascinating. It is really fascinating. Though. It feels like a set yourself up to where when the next star wants out, you have a chance at him. Right. Yep. But also it feels like this is a, okay, Zach Levine, um, let's see how good you are. And if you get lead us to the playoffs, you get your max. If you're all NBA, you get your super max, right? And and we'll build around you and look what we've put around you. Now it's time to win. Uh, but also if it goes sideways, Cody, it's like, do you do you keep Zach Levine just because he's good enough to get you in the play-in tournament? Or like, how does this all impact Zach Levine, who obviously is the cornerstone piece of all of this right now? Yeah, well, the Bulls aren't in a position, even if they have a slightly disappointing season this year, I don't think they're in a position to like just let Zach walk right. or anything. Like way too valuable of an asset for them. And the hard part on the trade market for, for him, obviously, would be um, he's not Damian Lillard level elite or anything. So it's clouded like down the line. So I know people have been like, this is a prove it year for Zach. Well, yeah, it is. But like I, the way I see this playing out is just, Zach's going to get his money from the Bulls next right. year at this time. And how they do this year could factor into how much money he gets, how well he plays and everything. Um, the farther he helps lead them in the playoffs, the more money he can obviously go up there and get. But like when you got DeMar DeRozan locked in for three years on a massive contract and you're lacking draft capital and the NBA is about to take some more away from you because you called Lonzo Ball too early in free agency and then – Rich Paul blew you up and leaked it um, to reporters. Like you're kind of locked into DeMar DeRozan for a couple of years, right? Like, and as long as that's the case, you're not pivoting to um, a, a rebuild or a younger generation of sorts. So I don't see how like flipping Zach Levine in a trade is helping you. Cause like healthy organizations don't go get Vooch and DeMar DeRozan and then have one year go by and flip it and blow it up and trade a star to get more younger guys and then put themselves between two generations again. Like that's one thing I did like about the Lonzo acquisition, right? He bridges a gap where he can, he, he's enough of a veteran to immediately go out there and make a difference at age 23 and play with Zach Levine at a high level, but also young enough where there's not like a nine year gap between um, him and Pat Williams, for example, something like that. So uh, he kind of bridges a generational gap where you can kind of pivot. But as long as DeRozan and Vooch are on that roster, like it, you're kind of locked in to me, it feels like this being your team for the next two years. Now, watch me look like an idiot because AK will pull off seven sign and trades next summer and like could totally revamp the roster again or something. But like 
contractually looking at this with the lack of, of flexibility, this feels like their team for the most part, the core of it for the next two years. And when you're looking at that window, I don't see any other option than Zach Levine long-term contract extension at a high level next year. So um, that's where I see him going for two years. It, it feels like two years from now would be the next big moment for this Bulls organization as far as a direction or course change. If you're talking about competing at a higher level or maybe wanting to build a little more around Pat Williams and Lonzo Ball and Pat Williams is a factor in all this too. Like if he blows up and looks really, really good these next couple of years, maybe you pivot the direction of your organization around him as your superstar and then tr do try to get value for maybe some of your veterans. But if he's played like he has so far, I think, I think Bulls fans expectations for Pat Williams are just like two or three years too advanced. Right. Like everything they talk about him being is what he can certainly be at age like 23, but they're just expecting him to do it this season. And right. like, this is not going to happen. Like he had a really good, um, game in summer league on Tuesday evening, helping lead the bulls back. Um, but he shot really poorly in the first one. Like it's going to take time for him to get accustomed to, to a bigger on ball role, which he's not even actually going to have this year. So his numbers are probably still going to be really low. They need him to be really good on the defensive end. Um, he has a lot of potential on that end. I thought again, um, kind of cart ahead of the horse last year where, Oh, he guarded Giannis. Well, yeah, Giannis hung 38 on him and like 13 of 14 shooting. Like he guarded Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi just shot 90% on him, it felt like, half the time. So um, stuff like that, he's going to be really good, um, I think, but it's just going to take time. So uh, he's a big piece for this team moving forward, and how he plays out will decide some of their future decisions as well. Yeah, for uh, any Illini fans watching Summer League, it's basically Pat Williams, go get yours. Uh, be aggressive. So he's going to force up some shots, but I think they're trying to figure out, like, hey, can you do this one? And then can you learn what shots to take, what shots not to take? Uh, but obviously the talent is there. He's a physical freak. Um, what, what do you think is the ceiling? Because obviously he's a, road, he's, he's a starter this year. He's a versatile defensive piece, can, can shoot some threes. What do you think he eventually will be? Like somebody texted me, is he Harrison Barnes? Is he Pascal Siakam? Like, what do you think he can be? Yeah, I mean, I think right now I would say when you ask me what's his ceiling, I would say like I can see him becoming an all-star down the line. I Again, these these Pat Williams as a foundational championship piece and next Kawhi, I'm not buying anything <laughs> along those lines yet right. whatsoever at all. Um, and this is not to – to be some sort of hater and say he can't ascend to, to championship greatness. It's just like, I, I come back to like, what do you prove um, so far on your track record a little more than potential. And again, he was 19. He was so young, but like just the things that Kawhi does like with the ball and stuff, like we need to wait a couple of years to see if Pat Williams can do a lot of those things. But like, I think he certainly because of some of that two way play, like I thought he made big strides, um, kind of as a second level defender as the year went on last year in defending the rim better, knowing where to be like that's some talent um, and just that athleticism and timing that a lot of people um, in the NBA don't have. So like when you see those flashes, like combining physical tools with the instinct of like when to cover for someone and when to go up and make a play and when to stay down, I thought you saw more of that as last season went on. So that's what gives me a lot of hope for what his ceiling can be. And I think the ball stuff will come more just with the ball in his hands more. Um, and again, he's not going to be asked to play a big role, but I, I think all-star is a fair ceiling to look at him right now. And that's a good foundational building block as you go along. And again, that's, 
that's not soon. It took Zach Levine a long time to become an all-star. And obviously I think people would say he had a lot more holes in his games um, as a youngster from, from the defensive end and such, but it takes time to get there. But yes, down the line, I think he could be that. Um, you say Harrison Barnes, the Bulls will want him to be more than that. But Pascal Siakam, that's that's a fair that's a fair assessment as far as how he kind of ascended. He's he's not a tier one star in the NBA or probably even tier two or anything like that. But he was in the MVP conversation top five for like half of a season um, a couple of years ago. So like that's a guy with a really high ceiling, obviously. Um, and I think Pat Williams can have a really high ceiling as well. I do view him absolutely as a power forward, modern NBA power forward um, as this goes along, just because I think he has the defensive versatility to do that. He'll be able to step out and shoot threes. I think he's a little slow footed um, to, to be a primary defender of, of small forwards at an elite level. And maybe he improves upon that, but it just feels more comfortable to me watching him play when he is the power forward and then he can get switched on to wings. That's fine. But, but to ask him to be the primary defender against some really quick guys for, for 35, 38 minutes a game, I, I don't think that's the best way to utilize him. I like how he can kind of defend the rim too. Maybe not as your primary rim defender, but you know, like we saw the Lakers win a championship with like Anthony Davis and LeBron as their two and three rim defenders. And it's like, Whoa, when you got that length, that's something else on the back line. So if he can kind of provide that, then you're looking at a defense that has a little bit higher ceiling. Cody, before I let you go and really appreciate the time, uh, since Jimmy Butler was taken in the first round, the Bulls' first-round draft picks, Marquise Teague, Tony Snell, uh, they traded for for Doug McDermott. Bob Portis, hey, had his moment. Denzel, yeah, Denzel Valentine, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter, Kobe White. All right, so all of those guys besides Kobe White and Laurie Markkinen are gone. What's next for Laurie Markkinen? What's next for Kobe White? Well, I, I think Kobe White will obviously be with the Bulls this upcoming season. I think he's clearly a trade chip down the line. Um, I, I don't think anyone's trading Kobe White right now or trading for Kobe White right now when he has a shoulder injury and some some question marks still in his game. Um, but the Lonzo addition and Alex Caruso really clouded his future with the organization. There's certainly still a role for him. I, I think those signings help put Kobe um, in, in a slot that he should be, which is a sharpshooter off the bench, you know, a little bit of scoring punch rather than a guy who has the ball in his hands so much. I don't think he's quite a starting level NBA player um, anytime soon um, here in the NBA for, for a team that wants to compete at a high level. There's nothing wrong when you're rebuilding, trotting him out there for a lot of starts, but um, clouded his future a little bit. So he's kind of a question mark, you know, um, I think it's probably more likely than not if we're talking two years from now that like Kobe White is probably somewhere else because just feels like the bulls will want to make some more roster upgrades and they're not going to have a lot of flexibility save for a couple of young guys and pat williams isn't going anywhere so that makes kobe one of the logical trade chips down the line to improve a little bit more larry markinen man i don't know i don't I, know i was so uh, i was so high on him like two years ago cody i thought I, like he was their best piece like i thought he could be better than Zach Levine at that point because he kind of was this modern NBA uh, post player, versatile, and it just, I don't know if it was Jim Boylan, I don't know how much of it was Laurie and everything with the Bulls, but it turned into a disaster the last couple I mean, years. March 1st, I think 2019, people would have been like, Lowry right now coming off a great month, um, flashing all his talent. Like, he is a cornerstone piece. Yep. Uh, it's gone south. His his talents didn't improve. He didn't improve. Uh, he got 
he got more uncomfortable with the ball in his hands the longer he was in the NBA. Like, I remember a move, I think it was rookie year, maybe second year, but, like, he went off the bounce and did a spin move to get to the hoop and get a bucket for the Bulls to, like, beat the Thunder at the United Center. And I'm like, wow, seven-footer doing that. And, like, he just it's like a hot potato in recent years with the ball in his hands. So I have no idea what happened in that realm. Like, he went from a guy who was comfortable putting the ball on the floor for a dribble or two and making a decision and play to just bad decisions and uncomfortable with the ball. So, like, I thought he was going to end up with the Spurs all along. Like, that's what we've been hearing kind of. Um, from that perspective, because they liked him, they were intrigued, and they had cap space, and then he wanted way too much money, and they said, just throw Thad Young in, and we'll figure it out here. Um, so, sounds like the Mavericks might be, if he goes somewhere else, the most likely destination, just because they do have a trade exception that, while it's not as much money as he wants, sounds like he's wanted $15 million annually or more, and not going to get that from all signs. Like, the Mavericks, I think, could fit him in for 10 or $11 million maybe as a starting point for his salary. And they do always want more shooting around Luka Doncic because it's kind of it's kind of the LeBron thing, right? Like you should be surrounding a otherworldly playmaker with a lot of shooting. And I think the Mavs have that in mind. And obviously they got rid of Seth Curry and and have been looking for more shooting, I think, um, since then and everything. So uh, I think maybe the Mavericks would be the most likely. But a lot of this is going to depend on like Lowry's price point, too, like he. This is the Bulls have a lot of leverage, but when it comes to where's Lowry landing, like there's teams that would like him at a low price point. The Bulls wouldn't even mind him being back for one year at nine million dollars on the qualifying offer because it's a low price point with not much risk. You know, everything goes wrong. He just walks next year. If he pouts all year, that's the risk. Like right now, the le- the only leverage Lowry marketing has on the Bulls right now is that he could pout all year and make it a bad environment, but they'd put him in his place. So you can't do that and be a professional. So he doesn't have much leverage other than saying, I want to leave. If I go for a lower price point to another team, maybe they'll flip you a draft pick of some sort that you like AK and Mark Eversley. And, and let's just call everything, you know, thanks and see you later. But it just, some of this depends on him, but the bulls are, it's weird from this perspective too. Like I've never quite seen a restricted eight free agency play out with this. Leverage is always a play, but now the Bulls are just like, yeah, you can have Lowry, but we want a first round pick. Like he's nowhere near worth the first round pick whatsoever at all. But who knows? It only takes one, right? Maybe someone does want shooting and thinks they're going to have a 25th um, pick in the first round, and they don't care that much. We think he could provide more value for him. And there's always someone out there that thinks they can turn a player around. It seems like, especially at an age like Lowry, 24 years old or so, like he's he's going to have um, another shot here to prove himself. So, uh, I would guess I would guess the Mavericks. Long-winded answer to your question. I suppose maybe guess the Mavericks. That could be um, blown up in, in 20 minutes' time after the podcast gets posted. But um, Mavericks or maybe the Bulls, and I know the Timberwolves have also expressed interest too as well. So uh, still a few options to play out there with Lowry. Just uh, disappointing the way that all turned out with Lowry marketing because I was so high on him. There's there's a lot of takes in the ether where I said, uh, he's my guy, my cornerstone, not Zach Levine. So uh, oh, I got no. my face for that one. Uh, but Cody Westerland, the Bulls got a lot more interesting uh, this offseason. Hopefully they make a playoff run, and we'll see uh, where it can go from there. But appreciate the knowledge, man, and uh, enjoy Io DeSumo because uh, he's a blast for the media. He's really good to us. For sure, for sure. It was uh, good to catch up with you, buddy. We'll be in touch.
Great stuff, and thank you to Cody Westerlin from 670thescore.com for giving us that great insight into the Chicago Bulls, who are a lot more interesting now and a lot more interesting to Illini fans with Io DeSumo. Might take time to figure out his role at the NBA and, and might have a G League stay or um, maybe significant stay this season at the G League, uh, but certainly there are tools in, in that toolbox of what he has, and I think we're all pretty confident uh, that I would assume it will sharpen those and that he will get better and that he will stick to his role and, and perfect that role. And uh, he is just so driven. He's so basketball intelligent. Uh, he's He's got a good team around him as well with his family and all of that, that we've seen him add and add to him to himself as a basketball player and his skill set. So I think eventually he's going to find that NBA rotation role, and I think it could be with the Chicago Bulls with not knowing what Kobe White's future is. Obviously the Bulls made that guard rotation a lot uh, more difficult, but uh, I think they were pretty excited to get Io DeSumo at pick 38, and I think they should be because they might have found a nice piece in the long term uh, for them. But thanks to Cody for joining us and breaking it all down of where this Bulls franchise is going, and it's certainly going up, but how far up can it go in year one, and what's it look like in year two, and can they propel that into adding another significant piece likely trying to get a, a, an NBA star uh, to add to this core of Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, and Alonzo Ball, which is the younger core, and of course, Nikola Vucevic and uh, DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso, uh, the additions there as well over the last year. So going to be interesting to watch and see how this all works. I, I agree with Cody. I think it's going to be a fun offensive team. Defense might be where they struggle which is why Caruso is brought in, which is why Alonzo Ball is a nice fit. Uh, but they need some uh, help in the front court still. But uh, certainly going to be a more entertaining product. And, and we'll see long term if they can find a way to get a championship contender at some point out of this crew. Because, man, the Derrick Rose years, just as they were forming that championship contention window, it all goes away with, with an injury. So hopefully they find a way to get back to Chicago and United Center is such a great place to watch a game. Uh, certainly a great fan base built through all those years of Michael Jordan. Uh, we were spoiled for that long, but we've dealt with the struggles long enough and we've dealt with kind of ineptitude from the front office uh, for the last decade or so. I think it's time to see if this crew can turn it around. Hope you enjoyed this little respite from our Illinois football position previews, but we will get back into that uh, as we go along here. It's been a lot of fun and hopefully very informative for you. But I uh, wanted to talk a little Iowa, I wanted to talk a little bit Bulls, and we thank Cody for that. Thanks for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating review. That always helps us out. And for the latest Illini news, you know to keep it tuned to IlliniEnquirer.com and this podcast as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Thank you.